What's up, guys? I know this is a fat show who starts off the podcast, but got to clarify something. So Austin and I did a Skype podcast for the episode and the servers wasn't that great. So we got to deal with what we got. The episode is a little crackly. You'll hear some points where you might not hear us, but we got to make it work during these tough times. But in the middle part of the show, around the 55-minute mark, 56 minutes, got a great interview with Francis Ellis, a comedian, former Barstool employee, and host of the Oops! the podcast. Talked great, great stuff, awesome stories about his comedy career. Uh, you guys are going to enjoy that. So sit back, relax. It's a normal interview, normal podcast, just a little little uh, bumps in the road, but we can deal with it. So here comes Fat Joe, and enjoy episode 92. Put the fucking mic on. How we doing, folks? It's your boy, DB Barstool Sports Starting 9, and you are listening to the End of the Bench. Scoot your ass down. Welcome to episode 92 of End of the Bench. On this episode, we're type podcast. It's me, producer Stone. It's good. We're getting into it. We're talking coronavirus update. We're talking 2K tournament with NBA player. And uh, Austin, also, Austin also has his experience playing some games with Ninja. We'll get we'll get into that in a second. LaMelo Ball is buying his Australian team. What does that mean for him going into his future? Also, the Last Dance documentary is coming out early. I'm so excited. Ten part series. We'll get into that. And of course, Major League Baseball guys are working out even with the coronavirus, you know, delaying the season. But before we get into all that, Let's talk about cannabis. Now, Austin, are you working out or trying to work during this coronavirus? I've been I've been putting in my uh, my my push ups and my sit ups throughout the day. You know, I try I try I try to hit a hundred a day for each. Really, you know, yeah. I I've been I've been doing some abs in the in the in the crib. I've been I have a little gym downstairs, so I'm doing my work. And I wish I my did. lower back my lower back has been killing me. So I use that pro gel. I use the gel. I use it and it works. So the point for cannabis, they focus on delivering, they focus on using CBD to aid health and athletic performance while delivering the highest quality of CBD products and education in the industry. It's great stuff. They have the gel, they have the gummies, which I'm still using. I just ordered another one. I've got gummies coming in. And uh, if you want to use our promo code BENCH, B-E-N-C-H, you get 10% off your order. Go use, use it. It's good stuff. I didn't mention in the beginning, we have a guest. I did an interview a couple of days ago with comedian, former Barstool employee and comedian and host of the Oops! The Podcast, Francis Ellis. Funny guy. We talked for about 50 minutes over Zoom. Went really well. And um, that will be on this episode and the second part of our episode. And then we got a special segment towards the end of the show, which is a survival pandemic top three items you should have with you. I feel like I'm going to be extremely different than Austin. I think 100%. Austin's going to go his favorites. Yeah, I think it's going to be 100% different. So <laughs> let's kick it off with just a coronavirus update. How you been living? Boring. Life's getting yeah. boring, man. I had a – so, I, you know, I'm going back to school, so I, I was looking for a job right before this all happened. I ended up getting oh, – I, I, I just needed a part-time job, so I'm looking to, uh, looking to get a, a job with um, – 
with Dix. So I had my first interview over in the golf department at Dix. I was like, I think this will be fun, you know. Maybe I'll get some free some free passes, go out on a couple private courses throughout the summer and whatnot. And um, so I had my first interview or whatever. It was not last week. Was it last week? Yeah, it was last Monday. So almost two weeks ago now. And they're like, yeah. And this was right after it kind of hit. Or maybe it was was starting to heat up. Yeah, it was starting to heat up. So I go in there and then um, and the guy actually shook my hand. I didn't think he was going to shake my hand. I was like, you know, I'm I'm not really too worried about it. I'll just go wash my hands after whatever, blah, blah, blah. But um, so I I go in there. I had to have my interview. And then the guy's like, yeah, so we'll see where things go. And then the next week, everything just hit the fan. So I haven't heard back, but I really just wish I was working now because I had school. I was on spring break the first week that this hit. And then they added a second week to spring break. So, you know, I'm just bored. I've just been so bored. I wasn't working and I didn't have any schoolwork for two weeks. So I've been getting my gaming in. But um, it's pretty crazy. It's scary out there, man. It really is scary. scary. I've gotten out. scary once or twice to just go to the beach, just stay in my car, you know, just to get out. But, uh, it's definitely, uh, confusing times. Yeah. I drove to West Meadow with my dad, uh, earlier in the week, this week, we got out of the car. We walked a little bit along the beach. There was about three or four people and, you know, it's kind of a big beach, so it's very scattered. So it was nice to get some fresh air. I'm getting out of the house, hopefully once, twice a week. Maybe more just to go for a walk or a run. But yeah. I think it's a, this, these next two weeks is going to be like, we got to stay indoors at so all I times. I think they should have done that so long ago. I mean, it's just the Absolutely. the weather also hasn't really been helping. There's no. been a couple nice days, but I mean, I think it would be a lot better if it was the summertime, yo. You know, you can just go out, hang out in the pool, hang out in the backyard, but it's just been miserable, rainy, cold and nothing to do and then like you go out and you see all the street signs out there and it's just stay indoors flatten the curve covid testing it's just wild it's crazy it's wild and i know that there's like covid testing center uh you make the right right after burger king near our area there's there it's they're talking about the p-lot the whole p-lot is transit everywhere that's a great spot for it because it's so far away from the campus and so far away from any of the homes Mm-hmm. in that area which is a good mm-hmm. idea the process you see how they do the the test it's like they shove the like a q-tip up your nose i think they and might they do something different now brain. no they, yeah that's what they do they go up yeah. like six to eight inches or something like that yeah they're going along like right to your eyebrow just going yeah, straight crazy. up um so you've been gaming you are a gamer you've been have been doing your thing and you had yourself a moment last night last Tell night me yeah. about that that's it very funny so we were playing playing Warzone, which is the new Call of Duty Battle Royale. So this is similar to Fortnite. 100 people drop in. In Warzone, it's 150 drop in. Teams of three. Last person, last team to uh, survive wins. I happen to play the solo. I was playing the solos last night. So 150 individuals go in. And I'm, I'm driving. I'm, 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 I'm running. And I'm over by the stadium there, hiding in a tent. And then I see, uh, I see on my on my UAV, my radar, somebody's a little bit ahead of me. So I go over there to kill him. He's in a bush, and this truck comes flying by. And I was like, oh geez. So he flies by me, runs the guy over, and then I'm I'm caught out of position now. The guy ran him over, and then he backs up because you get knocked and then finish. He backs up, finishes him, hops out of the out of the truck. So I start shooting at him, 
and he dips into the bush and like dipped back and one popped me in the face, sent back to the lobby. I, I died. I'm like, wait a second. Wait a second. That it says ninja and you can make your name whenever you want. So there's always co- cheaters or not. Well, there is a lot of cheaters in this game. That's all another story. We'll say that for another day. But um, his name is Ninja and you can make I, your name whenever I, you I, want. I've, I've seen those cheating. I've seen those cheating videos where the guys like the prestige is super high or their ranking is super high and they like, barely played. Yeah. It's, it's a lot yeah. of, it's a lot of stuff. A lot of cheating in call of duty is uh aimbot. So you buy an aimbot to play on your computer. And essentially what it does is it's an algorithm. When you press the button, it literally finds the guy's head and hits him with every single shot. So it's just rigged and it's, it's kind of killing the game. So hopefully uh, Activision does something about it to, f- to figure out why this is happening. But uh, I saw a ninja and then I happened to be watching ninja stream the other day and I saw his gamer, t- uh, his uh, clan tag and it was like itchy or something. I see or whatever. So I'm looking right. at him like, no way is this ninja. And I was in the party with big Vin, a couple of uh, the other people. And, um, and he goes, yo, I'm watching Ninja right now. He's like, are you by stadium? You just die by stadium? I'm like, yeah. It's like, no. I'm like, no way. So I go in, I'm watching his stream, and it happened to be Ninja. And he killed me and happened to win that game. So I have a feeling I'm going to be in a YouTube clip because he went off. It was his back-to-back solo wins, and he dropped a 20 bomb in that game too. So that's, that's pretty wild. wild. You got – I know you put it on Twitter. You got to put it on your Instagram now too. That yeah. That is like an all-time clip now. And I saw it. That was so how he got his dunk under and then ducked right out and he yeah got, he got you right home right in the, that was yeah. wild a little embarrassing yeah, for me but uh he got no me. but got me. but you know what's crazy is that gaming is getting people involved right away it's getting and people the people that haven't been playing or don't that's what they're doing now with the coronavirus is going on they're staying inside and that's what they're doing streaming and why don't we skip over the first topic we had which is the hall of fame that just got announced with the nba but we'll just continue with the 2k tournament and then we'll hop back back in with the with the hall of fame sounds good 2k has everyone knows 2k's nba it's a basketball game it's huge um i suck at it and what they're now doing is they're doing a 2k tournament i think i correct me if i'm wrong i don't really know that there could be this, like the winnings, the winner raises, I think they're all raising money and then it goes to donation or to some, you know, whatever uh, hospital they want to help or whatever fund or whatever. I think that's the point. But this is a big tournament, big names. You got Kevin Durant, Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Zach Levine, uh, DeAndre Ayton, Michael uh, Porter Jr., DeMarcus Cousins, just to name a few. It's a 16 person tournament. I think it's an awesome idea. I heard Kevin yeah. Durant heard, sucks at it. I heard Trey Young's fire. <laughs> but this is like, I feel like this is what we need to see more. I mean, we're going to see that a lot more. And also, Emily, 100%. He, he does his uh, tournament. Yeah, I saw Blake Snell was playing and Trevor May, who is a big gamer. He does the show. He was playing, I think, Amir Garrett, who's a reliever for the Reds. Hunter, I think he was playing the show in uh, MLB and MLB Network. And was. Uh, Robert Flores it says he goes by Flow. There's a lot of streaming of on that. Scar is doing their own streaming. Right? Sorry, what was that? I said. <laughs> no, I said I, these, these are these are the issues that you have due to Corona, man. I, trying to do things I, online I, and everything. The whole Howard I, Stern I, show is online now too. It's crazy, but like they've been working out issues for like two weeks now. You know, it's just it's how it is. Uh, but uh, what did you say there? 
I said the NASCAR streaming. You were mentioning yes. that before. Yes. So a lot of a lot of the guys on uh, 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 not a lot of the guys, but a few of the racers. What they have is they have these full blown setups in their like living room. Basically, it's like three monitors, and then they got the steering wheel, the seat, the shifter, and everything. And it's actually, right. and they're they're all playing online, and it's being streamed, and then. Jeff Gordon and Michael Waltrip, they're still announcing it, which is awesome. So it's like That's a live, a and they're doing the races that they would be doing each week on Sunday uh, at the tracks that it would supposed to be at during the season. So it's, it's the, actually pretty but funny. But it doesn't actually mean anything, though. It's, no, it doesn't. It's like, it doesn't I know they're still anything. doing the races. Yeah. I saw, um, I saw Jimmy Johnson was racing, and he... He, I think what happened, because he got in a huge wreck. I remember seeing that. I think he actually got up and went to the bathroom. And then he just left it. And <laughs> he and was doing back. donuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. he was just hit and bounced the walls. Right. I it's saw cool. some guy won. Some, it's so cool. It's cool because FS, FS1, the racing channel, is actually showing it on the TV when, they, when it should be on, which is really cool. I think one guy, I recently I totally forgot the guy's name. He won. Always worked at Sports Center and ESPN look for content. They're playing this stuff as like highlights during like a Sports Center sh- taping. And yes. they interview the racer about one, and he says like, "Yeah, my um my manager or the guy who owns like the racing um I guess not a company but team racing team." team. Racing he team, says, yeah. what, "What what what's nice about this is that you won, and it didn't cost me money if you wrecked your car." So. <laughs> Yeah, which, which is which is really funny. It's funny. But no, this it's is funny. like this is going to be the new normal, most where we're going to see like the businesses that are going to be booming from this is streaming, streaming in general, movie streaming, and then you know video game streaming. And... Everybody's streaming everything. All these DJs that aren't doing shows and having right. any uh, anything like that, they're doing like benefit concerts and stuff where people are just you go on Twitch and you stream and um and. And it's just different artists. They have lineups. Like today, there's a huge EDM one today, like Dab the Sky, Seven Lions, like all these huge DJs and stuff. And artists are just performing. And you go into the stream, you chat, you know, whatever. You get your, 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 um, your, what's the word? You're like your family together, your EDM family. And you guys just chat and you can donate. And it's all just, it's all for a good cause. But it's, it's, that's like, and that's the way that everybody's getting together now. Huge number watching that and there's like i saw one but somebody was doing two hundred thousand mm-hmm. at one point and i and, yeah. I, and also, also you're seeing like instagram live has become the most popular thing it's annoying because you like certain people that you follow like celebrities or whoever yeah. is doing lives i think like you know justin bieber is doing a live i think every day and he's he's just grabbing fans i know um comedian andrew schultz he's mm-hmm. doing corona's got talent and no his backdrop, his podcast, and then he's picking people up, and they're doing their and doing their uh, their talent or whatever. Their little talent. That's, that's funny. Like that's funny. Yeah. And so so more contents coming out of this, which is which is awesome to see that. But mm-hmm. um, let let's get into the Hall of Fame. NBA Hall of Fame was just announced. Kobe, Tim Duncan, and Kevin Garnett have been are going to be inducted on on Saturday. You announced it's going to happen on Saturday. I guess uh, a the news just came out. Shams um, tweeted it out. This is one of the most popular Hall of Fame classes we've seen in 20 years or so. I would say like the Michael Jordan one was huge, of course. But Kobe and what he's done to the game and, of course, how he 
tragically passed away in January. And also mm-hmm. Tim Duncan, who's been, most people say is the best power forward to ever play in the game. And then Kevin Garnett, he's an NBA multiple-time NBA champion for the Celtics, played with the Timberwolves and the Nets. And also he is an MVP and one of the more feared NBA players of all time. When it comes to guys like that are super scary, you don't want to fuck with, who talks a lot of shit, he'll make fun of your mama, you won't be able to do anything about it. That's the guy. That's awesome class. Absolutely awesome. Yeah, I think, but the main thing is Colby getting inducted this year as well. Yeah. Now, I, I had a question about that. The Hall of Fame, isn't there normally a wait period until you're allowed to get inducted after you finish playing? So baseball, it is five years after you play. Basketball, I think, could be the same. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. It makes sense because these guys have been away from the game so long. Uh-huh. So I think, I think it, it is five years. So it only makes sense. That's how it should, like these guys are automatic bids, right? So the guys under him, under them, or I'm sorry, above them should have the opportunity to go in and, ha- and kind of wait for these guys to get their shot. But the thing is, NBA, the NBA Hall of Fame is the easiest Hall of Fame to get into. Super easy. In a, I've been in a, to the NBA I, Hall of Fame. Really? Where is that? I it's no in it Boston. It Super in boring. Boston. Super boring. Really? Yeah, it's really boring. We, me, Frank, and Rick went up there. Rick was actually looking for a car. Quick story. Went up there, and on the way back, we're like, let's make a day out of it. Let's go hit up the Basketball Hall of Fame. Super good burger place right outside. Like, burger place might have been better than the Hall of Fame. But <laughs> but uh, it was cool. You know, it was it was. it's a lot of older stuff, and right. um, I don't really know too much about basketball years back you know i've recently gone into basketball i'm more of a recent fan i would say and um but but there's like a huge basketball court there you can shoot around afterward and stuff but it was it was it was a lot of money too it was like 57 dollars to get into or something like that what or like 47 dollars. and we walked through that place in like an hour and a half and it was um yeah it's quick but it, it was cool. It was, I mean, it was cool. Something definitely to do, you know, it was definitely something like right. I could say I've been to the basketball hall of fame. It was a cool thing, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was a uh, bin. <laughs> yeah. I got to go. I've been, I went to, you know, um, baseball hall of fame in Cooperstown last summer. I would like my to do dad. That. And that was awesome. I got to see got to see Rivera get in. We talked about that way back in the summer. Um, but this is a great hall of fame though, to see Kobe and it's going to be very emotional. I don't know who's going to induct him, Maybe his wife, Vanessa, maybe like you could see Shaq or um, I don't know, maybe the, the coaches, some coach that might have coached them over the years. I don't know, maybe um, a family member, but this is going to be a really, really emotional Hall of Fame. And it's almost like the weirdest time. Like this year, 2020 has not been a good start. Yeah. Not really Tell the me best about it. starts. Kobe. Colby dying at, you know, the second week, third week in January. And then this coronavirus has really taken a toll on the entire world. I mean, also Kobe's death took a toll on everybody. But hmm. we were, you know, it's usually when it comes to like really horrible events and horrible shit, there's usually some sort of silver lining. So like the sun, the light in front of us is going to be there and it's going to be sick. So hopefully mm-hmm. the summer is going to be so much better because this hope- winter... It's been terrible. This winter and spring has not been well at all. 
not great. So next topic is another unfortunate situation for a man that most New Yorkers don't like too much. It's James Dolan on mm-hmm. Saturday, last Saturday. Dolan, I guess it was his, his people announced that he got the coronavirus. He's older. He um, He's not in the best of shape um, health-wise. Is there an opportunity that he could really, really get sick from this? Absolutely. He's an older guy. I'm sure he's in his, I think he's in his 70s, I want to say. And some Knicks fans, some of them that really don't have a soul, tweeted out like, oh, I'm, I'm so excited for this. Is James Dolan an asshole? Absolutely. Is it, ha- is it nice to say comments like, I'm happy James Dolan's going to die? Not or really. Maybe he could die of course. Not really. Yeah. But you can. How old is he? Did you look him up? Sixty-four. Sixty-four. Okay, so he's in that. Born in, in nineteen fifty-five. He looks like he's ninety. He's no. He looks. He looks a lot older. He looks like he's in his seventies. He, he does. Yeah. Yeah. Sucks. He doesn't look the best. No. No. He's very. Yeah. He's very. Very overweight. And that. Mm-hmm. You know. It's. There's like he could have underlying conditions that he might not even know that he has. You know, I'm sure he has def- health. But if you're like a Nick fan that hates Nick, James Dolan because he's never done anything right for the franchise, you could see Nick fans are like happy about this, right? Yeah, Some psycho Nick fans. I, I, yeah, it's terrible to say, but when you're when you have an owner as James Dolan, who is going to, who who likes to get his hands in things that he shouldn't, and this could right. possibly prevent him from doing that, then I guess you could be not so heartfelt towards him not being well. If that's this, if that's the way, that, it's like walking out of balance for you trying to talk about it, but. Yeah, you're trying not to say the wrong thing, and you're like, like guys, yeah, he also is the uh, owner of the Rangers, as well, and also Cablevision. So he's got a ton of money, um, right into things. And James Dolan, not the most liked him, but hopefully he. Be, but after you recover, you kind of see that life is important. Like it's yeah. good to be nice. Let me decide. This could be like a wake up call. Decide to just sell the Knicks, and then maybe life could be better. I have a question. Why do you think he he invests so much time into the Knicks and not the Rangers? Or more into the Knicks than the Rangers, because Ranger fans don't really, you know, they're not they're not mad at him like Knicks fans are. Because he he loves the Knicks so much. He is a lifelong Knicks fan. He loves them so much. It was it was like a um, a bonus to have him. I mean, all of MSG in that area. I own everything. So why don't I just own the Rangers as well? It was kind of mm-hmm. like almost like an add-on, but Dolan like a monopoly, right? Exactly. Yeah. So he, he was just, you know, well, you know what? I'm gonna take ownership of everything, but really put all my eggs in the basket in New York Knicks. But and like, <laughs> crush all the eggs as you're doing that. Just destroy all of them. Yeah. Stomp on them. Yeah. <laughs> so just squeeze each egg. egg in the basket before I drop it in. <laughs> right. Exactly. All right, let's go to another topic here. LaMelo Ball. He's part of the Ball family. We love talking about the Ball family on here. He just, LaMelo Ball bought 
is an Australian team. That's wild. He's like not even 20. He's still a teenager and he bought it. So he has all this money he's making for this team. He's also making money on the family. It's all the advertisers there. And, you know, the reality show that he was on, it was on Facebook show that his family were a couple of years but there's no financial details revealed i'm sure this wasn't a cheap buy no no definitely not and you I can't mean, find it anywhere i read up a couple of articles you can't really find a price the a price on it it was all it was the ball the mellow ball and his manager jermaine jack searches to his team um, he also played the ball plays for this squad, so it's it's hilarious how that's kind of working together. But this is a great move for Lamelo in the future to make more money. If like say like his NBA career doesn't pan out, he's got this multi million dollar investment in the back in his back pocket that I think Australian basketball is think is somewhat popular. There's 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 some there's some big name prospects that are going to be going into the draft next year that are that are playing in Australia right now, so I guess they're going to try to make the Australian league into a slowly into maybe like a place where where potential superstars can go and say screw college and go straight there, which a lot of think a lot of players are on constantly or they're doing a great investment. But who the fuck are like like imagine owning a basketball team at his age. Yeah, you know? what do you do with that? You know, like you definitely just got to hire a whole bunch of people to just take it over. <laughs> yeah, I'm just the name on it. You got to do all, all the work. Exactly. Super easy. And then he's going to make some money in the back end, which is going to be super easy for him. But the main topic of our NBA here is the last dance. The last dance is a Michael Jordan documentary produced by ESPN's 30 for 30 broadcast series oh so you it's know dropping. it's gonna be good it's gonna be amazing dude. yeah this, this is michael jordan this is all of uh, michael jordan's life i there is a, a stupid amount of people being that were interviewed from Barack obama to i think pam anderson was in the her all these different personalities politicians actors uh Justin Timberlake, everybody you could think of is in this documentary. Wow. And this was supposed to be released in June, and they're releasing it April 19th. Twitter blew up, I, I think, two weeks ago. And they were saying, hey, look, all fans, you had, had NBA players tweeting out, we want this doc right now. We can't wait until June. And they're putting out two months early. Yeah, why I'm not? Sorry. Everybody's like home and they got nothing half, else to do now. than watch it. This is exactly what I want to watch during this quarantine where we can't go out. We can't do much. I'm kind of getting sick of this shit I'm watching. I need to watch. Right, and the viewership's going to be through the roof. Yeah, right. Yeah. The viewers, Every, everybody's everybody's going to be watching this, man. What a great idea! And then it's go going to Netflix after that. So it, <laughs> you get to watch it again. Nineteenth, <laughs> and then oh, it's Netflix outside the United States, so it's internationally on Netflix on oh, April twenty. Okay. 
going to write. So they're, I guess they're, they're doing it every Sunday until May 7th. Right. So they're, 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 they're airing each episode twice. So like April 9th, next Sunday, the 26th, they're seeing 7 8 p.m. doing episodes one and two, and they're airing the new four. Imagine doing a 10-part documentary series. It's a long time. It's a that's lot a of lot. work, and that's a lot that's of freaking footage. a lot footage. of stuff, and I'm assuming they're going to be an but hour the one each. Uncovered thing, the one thing that's never been told, and it's the biggest rumor, it's a lot. Yeah, it's what it looks like. It's going to be like an hour each, and I I can't wait till like when the comes out with what it shows all the people on a list. I'm, I can't wait to see that list. Mm. A lot of people. Um, so let's go to our one NFL topic. I find this hilarious, this topic here. You have, the, like we mentioned last week or a couple weeks ago, Tom Brady going to the uh, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a two years, $50 million deal. The new quarterback, new face of the franchise for the Tampa Bay Bucks. So we all know Tampa Bay it's Chris Godwin, receiver. He's number 12. But Tom Brady's number 12. So <laughs> they both agree on changes in jerseys. Godwin's going to 14, and Brady's getting his number 12. But, but did you, I don't know if you, you know this. There was no talk about any sort of trade involved in the number switching. If I'm Chris Godwin, like, you didn't get anything. You got nothing. You're talking yeah. about the the most popular player of all time, Sush, by the way. But his wife, Giselle, gorgeous, has, has double or triple the amount of money that Tom Brady has. So there's a lot of money in the family to begin with. Uh-huh. Godwin didn't get anything out of this. What would he you lost ask something. for? Like, what would you leverage? What would you leverage in the deal? Like, all right, Tom, I know you're the GOAT. You were number 12 your whole career in the Patriots. I'll give you 12, but I want this in return. You got to think. What do you think? Um. Wow, that's tough. I mean, Tom Brady's got maybe I don't know. Like, let me give me your house for like the weekend or something. Let me let me throw a banger, <laughs> dude. I'd ask for a, if they have a summer house in in like the Bahamas. Give, give me that for the year, or give me yeah. that for your your two year tender. Your two year well, your two years in Tampa. I want uh-huh. two years worth of your house in the Bahamas. <laughs> so like in the summer, yeah. I'm chilling in the Bahamas, working out, and I have your house. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you do- doing, Chris? So Godwin, like, great receiver. He had a, over a thousand yards receiving, and you're doing like he's smart. You think smart guy? Yeah, I don't know. I guess just the the name Brady. Maybe he's just like you know this guy is an absolute legend. Why not? It would be my honor to give him my number or something like that. You know, you could think about it that way. I feel like there was like threatening involved. Like you, you have to give it up, or else. Oh really? You think Tampa Bay's like Tampa Bay head office no, came there's, to him and was like, "Hey, they, I feel like there was some more subtle like, hey, give him the give him a twelve. Just give it yeah. to him. Don't yeah, make him ask." I'm curious if that was a Brady thing or if that was a Tampa Bay thing. Like, hey Brady, when you come here, you already have twelve. Like, I wonder if it was done before. Or it was like, all right, we got Brady. Turns out, Godwin, you have Brady's number. He he's he, he's asking for it. He doesn't care. like. I'm curious. I'm curious. That's, I don't know. That's like a good. Uh, I feel like that was a that was a conversation I'd like to hear about. Yeah, I don't know if that was in the deal. Um, that it would only, only it would kind of make sense if that was in the deal. I think the one thing 
that he wanted in his deal, Brady's deal, was I want everybody's phone number on the team so I can text them and call them and give, give them, like, but see, that's, see, that is what's, like, a true leader is. Like, give me everybody's information so I can call everybody and text them and say, thank you for having me. I'm here. I'm your guy. This, that, and the other. Being, like, a team leader. That's uh-huh. what he asked for. A part, a part with the deal, which is almost, you know, you don't need to add that in there. You can just ask for it. But that's just going yeah. to show who Tom Brady is. Exactly. But if I was Chris Godwin, I would say, all right, you get number 12, 12 I, I'll get 14, but I want your beach house. Or I want, like, yeah. some sort of <laughs> Give me those like, rings me, for a day or something. Yeah, give me the rings. <laughs> I want to take a picture on my IG with all the rings. It's like, this is going to be me this year. You know, some something sick. That's That would be fucking hilarious. All right, let's go to baseball. The Astros. Funny comment you said before we started. You said the Astros are the ones who started the coronavirus because they didn't want to get the suspensions. They want to get beamed all season. <laughs> yeah, get fucking thrown at. But, psych, Astros will still remain in their deal where the A.J. Hinch and Jeff Lunau will both get credited for the one-year one year suspension if the Major League Baseball season is canceled. And I think... It's going to be canceled. I think yeah. it's going to happen. Or a modified so a, season. Yeah, there, it's the modified season is definitely the MLB, MLB Players Association and Major League Baseball made a deal about a week or so ago, kind of getting prepared for a shortened season or a cancellation season when it has to do with money and free agency and all those other details about games played. But I think personally that the season's going to be canceled altogether because there was a couple guidelines that Major League Baseball had put down, like a checklist. There was like three things on the checklist to say if their season would, would start. It was like, one, be able to play games in front of fans. You can cross that off because that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Two, it was the, to make sure with uh, flying restrictions and being be able to fly. Now, play. Remember, he the the president and the government did the band of flying in or out of the United States. Mm-hmm. Toronto Blue Jays in Canada, you got to have passports leaving and going into Toronto. That's leaving the states so there's a ban there that's mm-hmm. a cross out there and then the third one is the safety of its players whether the okay from the doctors saying it's okay for the players to play then there's that and that's another x on there so i really think there's not going to be a seat fall i mean the, we're, we're we're hearing that the the fires can slow down. We can kind of get back to normal in May. I'm hearing things in June. No one knows. So, but the Astros still getting the penalty is still a good thing. But in realistic like terms, we don't know if the season's going to happen or not. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what you you think about that. I mean, but, I'd, uh, I, I don't know. So, when you go, if they're going to... Say you have a modified season. Are they getting a modified penalty, or is it going to be half the season or this whole season and then half of next season? I feel like there's so many things that need to be taken into consideration. I think personally that they're canceling things way too far out in advance. I think that this is going to get to the point where people physically will not be able to stay inside any longer. 
Things are going to get so bad in the economy that things ha- that businesses need to start opening up. Things need to start happening again. Otherwise, uh, I don't know, uh, economic downfall is bound to happen. There's just no way that it's not. I think that I think that sports teams should be playing. You know, you take more precaution precautions. And yes, obviously, you're not going to have any fans or anything like that. But you need to give people. I think giving people options to watch games at home is better than not playing the sport at all. Yes. I understand now you're putting all of these players in, uh, in, um, in, uh, obviously harm's way and everybody's getting close together, but yes, maybe in the dugout, everybody's close together. So stay away a little bit further, but when you're out on the field, nobody's going to get sick. First baseman's nowhere near the second baseman. You know what I mean? Like you, you technically are going to be fine. When players reach base, like if uh first baseman's covering the bag at first for a pickoff, there's there's interaction, they're tagging out. So and also there's the the being in the in the clubhouse, getting changed, taking a shower, that's eating true in the too. clubhouse, being yep. very close. So that's one thing to look at it where it's these guys are next to each other all the time. And the high fives in the dugout to get a home run or you score. Or, yeah. you know, taking the ball from the picture. There's so many things that the, the hand-to-hand contact That's is true. touching. That's true. It's so, it sucks because I'm – and I'm a baseball purist when it comes to stats, you know. This is what annoys – this will, it would it – would, it's like a tick. It's like one of those things where I've, I hate to, hate to look at it because, like, say, like, the season started in July, right? Yeah. There's, I would assume that we do no all-star break or maybe do an all-star break, you know, depending on what the halfway point is of the season from, from July to October or however they kind of spread it out. You guys with 35, 40 home runs and 100 RBIs, is what, that's kind of what you determine amazing seasons and batting averages and stuff like that. So for me, at the shortened season, it would definitely see so, – see, see, some sort of weird statistics. I mean, in 1994, they had a strike in middle of the year. So, like, Tony Gwen was batting 395. There hasn't been a guy batting 400 in decades, and he was on the verge of eclipsing that 400 batting average. Mm-hmm. And, and then the season stopped, and he never got the opportunity to do it. So, I you, know, you kind of look at MVPs year. Yeah, so for me, it's either you, you, it's like I, I really personally feel like there's going to be a canceled season. It's going to suck because a summer without baseball for it's going to drive me nuts. Yeah, I think it's I think it's just at a it's at a weird point where I think the year 2020 is literally going to have an asterisk next to it within everything. Like even in school, like right now, all of my classes were just transferred from graded classes to pass fail. So it's kind of like no all right, say. Yeah, so say like, say you're you go out throughout this year or whatever, and then graduate school comes by. Say you're in your sophomore year or something, and then they're looking back on your transcript, and it's like, oh, what it, what happened this year? Why is this like this is a class that you need a grade in, but it's pass fail? Well, you look back, it was the year of coronavirus. The whole school year got destroyed. You know, like it's just like it's a mess now. I'm I got a I got a I got a class that my professor is telling me that um that some kids don't have internet access or like laptops or something. So they can't even do the classes online. So I've just passed them for the rest of the semester. Like it's, it's wild. 
there yeah yo it's just it's it this whole year what? i think is just going to be like it's just it's not going to be good for sports it's not good for schooling it's not going to be good for the economy and i think the sports related getting back to the getting back into the statistics that you're saying i think that there's just going to be an asterisk next to everybody's name in the year 2020 and you just kind of almost just negate the whole the whole year you know it's just like oh we played we only played 80 games this year well would you like you know like it's not even relevant uh, essentially yeah yeah that's wait that's wild that you, it's a pass fail now oh, like imagine if you're a senior and you have a senior thesis and it's a pass fail it's a pass if fail you class. It, if you if you half ass it and it's and it's good enough for a passing grade yep well like like for my senior thesis it was called a senior project instead because it was like archie school or whatever Mm-hmm. I did a documentary. Yeah, and I know. I've I seen it. To go you, to places. Yeah, I had to go to you places. You months and, and months into that work. To six months of work. I, I finished it in three months, but I did six months of work. Yeah. And imagine if I couldn't do that now. You know, I would have to do all over Skype. And it'd be just, yeah. it'd look like shit. It, it, exactly. it wouldn't look good. And I, you know, I interviewed two of my uh, former teammates. They were my freshmen during my senior year, and now they're seniors, and their senior baseball season was canceled. So they yeah. all have a senior season. They, they can't graduate. They, they can't, you know, get the diploma and walk. You know, senior senior high school came through the prom. And grand scheme of things, is it the worst thing for seniors in high school to lose prom? No, but in the moment for them. A hundred percent. It's huge. It's huge. It's what about being a? It's the worst what about being a senior happen. in high school? How are you gonna? What you're trying to get? Uh, you're trying to get into a um, a college. You know right. what I mean? You're trying to oh sports God. teams, stuff like that. Next weekend, I'm supposed to leave to go down to Florida to go for nationals for roller hockey, and it, nationals is canceled. We had a. We, I'm telling you, we would either be top three if not, we would have won nationals. That would have been a division two roller hockey champion. And we don't, we can't even go. It's just, it sucks. Oh, it really does. That's terrible. I'm sorry, man. That sucks. I can't. And, you know, it's, and you're right. Everyone's getting hit by this college athletes, major league athletes, businesses, students. It's mm-hmm. all, everyone's getting hit. And there's nothing killed. And what's good with what Major League Baseball is doing, the, the, a lot of Major League players that are making some good money. Right, right. There's Garrett Cole signed a 300 plus million. You know, Trout's making 400 million. Harper's making 300. It's a lot of money, but you got to remember the minor league guys. They're not making a lot. So, major league, the minor league uh, baseball players are still getting paid. Major league baseball teams will continue to pay their through at least May 1st. That's big because of the it's huge, and you know some guys like. First, a first rounder gets drafted, right? He has his his deal is very small, but the signing bonus is big. Signing bonus is a million and a half or something. I think I think Stephen Madsen, he got drafted out of high school. He was the contract wasn't big, huge. It was maybe like six seven hundred thousand dollars, but the signing bonus was a million and a half mm-hmm. or a million two, whatever. That that's the huge thing. But not everyone's getting drafted in the first round. You guys drafted in the, the late twenties, late thirties. And they're making, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year, and that's not enough when you don't have a job. Exactly. You know, and luckily, you know, I have people helping me. But 
for those adults that are, you know, and they're, there's, there's career long minor leaguers. They're 12, 13 years in the minor leagues and they're barely making enough money. They're maybe making a hundred thousand, whatever, but 200,000, it's a good amount of money, but imagine you're a family of five or a family of four and exactly. you have all this shit going on. You can't do your job. It's tough, but what makes the baseball do here is a great pain. Absolutely. And for athletes in general to put their time in and get their work done, that's the hardest thing. Like Giannis Antetokounmpo, he, he just said that he can't he can't access a gym, he can't play basketball, he can't train while he's while he's ha- while this is happening. Like some players have a ton of money and they have a gigantic backyard and have a court in their backyard and they do shooting drills and they do their thing. For baseball players, like Joey Gallo, he lives in an apartment, top like high on the high floor in his apartment complex, on apartment. He took it upon himself to put a like a screen has his tee and he's ripping balls off the tee into the net in his apartment, in his, in his living room. That's crazy. Genius. <laughs> Joey Gallo is a right uh, left fielder, excuse me, for the Rangers, big power hitter. It's a great move. Personally for me, I destroyed the, the mirror in the back. Of the, yeah. And uh, see the video, he's taking reps and there's a mirror behind the netting. I would rip a hole in it. The first one, I get so nervous to begin with, I'd pop up and it would just either hit the ceiling or it would, you know, bounce <laughs> over the kitchen and make a, you know, and crack my window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it's a great move. I mean, also like Marcus Stroman. Got to do Marcus what you got to do, man. Marcus Stroman's doing. Uh, he just he's pitching. He took one of those pitching mounds, removable pitching mounds, and he's pitching. On his boat dock, it's long enough distance, like normal, like a normal uh, sixty feet six inches in baseball, away. And he has, I think, one of his neighbors is one of his teammates, and he's hatching for him while he's throwing a pen in the middle in, in Tampa where he lives. Great, great move. But what would you do? What do you do as a hockey player? That's a good question for you. The, set up, set up the net in the driveway and just rip shots. I mean. Hope I mean if you're I'm I play roller hockey so you can skate on on the the ground you know you can skate in the street and whatnot which I I know I've seen a couple of people in the neighborhood they've been lacing up and just skating around but I mean if you're in Florida and you play for the Tampa Bay Lightning where are you going to play ice hockey you know what I mean there's no there's no ponds to play on you're not, not up in Canada it's getting warmer right. now it's just uh it's just tough I mean uh. Pfft. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. There's no, I mean, a lot of people, uh, not a lot of people, but they, uh, they, they make that synthetic ice. That's basically like, um, it's like a plastic that acts like ice. So that's how they make like the ice skating treadmills and stuff. It's weird. Right. It's like a really cool substance, but I mean, not that like that stuff's bread. And if you don't got that kind of money, you're not, you're not, you're not playing hockey, man. You're just working on your hand skills and stuff in the basement or out on the driveway, but it's tough, man. It's tough. You gotta do what you gotta do. And to um, end our baseball talk, we have another nice gesture. The Yankees are starting a fund for their staff. The team has created a $1.4 million COVID-19 disaster relief program for the Yankee State employees impacted by the coronavirus. So there's a lot of people being impacted by this finance. But in the beginning, I remember when the NBA canceled their season, and they were talking about maybe putting games on but no fans and no employees around so kind of keeping it somewhat safe 
immediately people were like, well, how would these employees get paid? Now, I know um, Mark Cuban, the owner from the, the Dallas Mavericks, said I'm paying all my employees' salaries, concession people, and this is another great move by another team. And the you know the the Yankee you know, executives are doing this playing their money. It's going to cover. Because I'm assuming you think those concession workers are all it's all minimum wage out. So mm-hmm. I think it's a great move. But yeah, like how 100%. long is going to go on for? It has to be. This has to go on till this is over, right? They can't just stop it. Exactly. I mean, maybe you get to a point where it's feasibly not possible to pay the employee. I mean, I'm not like, but you know, like you know what I mean. Like they might get to a point where they say, okay, we can't pay you anymore. But right. uh, you started it. I mean, how do you just, uh, yeah, you're doing the yeah, same thing, still not working, stop. but we're done paying you. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck getting paid somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. But this is, this is a great move. And I, you're seeing a lot of this stuff happen. Yeah. But I want to see like, I want to see billionaires like Jeff Bezos empty the wallet a little bit. Right. Yeah, has so ever, I think Kylie Jenner donated like one million or something like that, which I mean, it's not like they're worth millions and millions, but it's nice to see that like she's doing something like that. But yeah, Jeff Bezos, I think his net worth is 174 billion or something like that. Like it's crazy. Um, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know Wiggs. Uh, I don't know. Um, It would be nice to see them donate a little bit more. It would be nice. Go to college football. We have actually a college football topic here. Multiple ADs think programs could get shut down entirely during the COVID-19 virus. And that will cancel the 2020 season. One AD was quoted here, but we didn't get, we, you know, it was a off the record. Um, we will be, be fucked up. It would, it, would, it would be fucked. That's what he said. It's just this. Imagine canceling the college football team. Which look and and look, people are. Let's not let's not count out college. You know, OTAs and, and training camps in August, July and August, and then the football season. There could be a wild possibility if this thing keeps lingering. We could mm-hmm. have no college football or no NFL. That means a whole year of no sports. Of the entire year of January, we had nothing. We had the NBA, and spring training was in February, and now we have nothing. No college basketball, no no March Madness, no nothing. And it's it's tough, man. It sucks. It does but, suck. But, but, do you think do you think that could be a possibility? I'm dude. I I'm not counting out anything right now. You know, it really with the, is with just the NFL and. It's just, I don't, I think they're getting to a point where what I think what would have stopped all of this, if we did a nationwide full blown quarantine two weeks ago, lock it down. If you like what Italy did, LA did it. If you leave your house and are caught on the road and aren't going to a place that has a note saying that you're a doctor, you're a police officer, you get a fine. And you can pay that fine if you want, but 
I think that that's what needed to happen, and that's what didn't happen. And now this is going to go on a lot longer than I thought. And when I know, I, I know a, new, a few nurses, a few doctors that are in my family and close to me, and they're saying that, like, we haven't even hit the peak of this yet. Right. And this next two weeks is going to be the worst. It's going to be yeah. the worst. Where it, it, look, my, my parents, they just went out and bought, like, seven $800 worth of food. So we don't have to go to the grocery store for the next two, three weeks, mm-hmm. you know? And that's and that's exactly what people will have to understand is that if the college football season there is a possibility that could get canceled, that's in September. Yeah, and and this thing can go on for a lot longer. And that and the fact that they're actually talking about it as a real possibility to cancel something that's five five months away is insane. Right, and um. You're talking about the essential workers. I have my – I'll put it to the screen here. I have my essential personnel card. It's different from my normal ID card. Uh-huh. I went to work through, about two and a half weeks ago, and they say, hey, go to your mailbox. You have an essential personnel card, and, and it has my you know, my name, where I work, and it has my, uh, my photo ID. Just so if there's a situation where I'm walking, I walk from my car to my office, which is a block away. If there was a police officer, hey, look, what are you doing out? I pull it out and I show them. I'm going to say, work. Go. I can exactly. go. And the city is like the worst place to be right now. The yeah. bar. It's the, the worst I've place to be. I've seen some pictures, <laughs> man. It's pretty wild. Ghost pretty town. Crazy. Yeah. And then the last thing off here before we get into uh, Francis Alice interview Tennis announced that they're canceling the Grand Slam tournament. Wimbledon tournament is officially canceled. This is the first time they will not have Wimbledon since World War II. Wow. Everything. I know. I know. Look. Uh, on the podcast, it's all we can talk about is this, and we kind of have different fun topics. But the, this is – Wimbledon is, hasn't been canceled since two since World War II. That's 19 – that's freaking insane. That's 1941, wild. excuse me. That's, that's wild. wild. And that's a popular tournament in the summertime. I, I It's like almost a ritual in the summer. I, I watch it with my fans. It's a lot to learn. So, yeah, that's just one more note to have. Wow, we went, we went long for part one. Okay. Three minutes. That's wow. pretty damn good. good. For nothing to talk um, about I, in the sports like world. Um, <laughs> we're gonna. I got, hey, we're, I got, we're making it work. I we're making no, it work talking. I got no audio right now. right now. Where are the sports oh, There you are. There we are. So there we are. There we are. We're gonna we're gonna stop here. We're gonna commercial break real quick, and then when we come back, what's that? I think we're good now. I think we're good here. All right, cool. Yeah, the service, the bandwidth around our neighborhoods are destroying our service right now. Terrible. So we're going to take a quick break. Okay, hopefully. When we come back, you're going to listen to an awesome interview I had with comedian Francis Alice. It was awesome. When we could a quick best survival items top three and have on us at all times. So, um, all right, we'll be right back. All right, so we got Francis Ellis, comedian, senior editor at Bro Bible, and the podcast of the Oops, the podcast. So, uh, Francis, thanks for coming on. 
Taylor, it's my pleasure, dude. You are a good man. It's good to see you. Good to see you, too. So before we start, people are going to wonder, like, why am I talking to Francis Ellis? And is there any relationship or did I just slide in your DMs? But I did. But um, <laughs> tell the people, like, how do we know each other? It's very brief, though. I know it's a very brief relationship. Wait, how do we know each other beyond what you just said? We've been kind of DMing each other. Well, we had the – I was interview, I interviewed to be your producer. Oh, that's right. Yes. See, it totally erased from your memory because the interview, I think, went well, but it's someone I think grabbed – I think that a little more experience than me got the – got Yeah, yeah. It all came down to, like, video editing experience. That was what we were really looking forward – or looking for and uh, – but but you're a good dude, man. Don't don't. Uh, I hope you didn't let that beat yourself up too much over that. No, because then I asked if we can just talk over coffee about. I had questions about you. And your That's career. right. That's and right. I thought it'd be like a ten minute thing, and it went on for almost like an hour. That was fun, man. It was good to see you. Yeah, it was fun. It was good. It was um. It was definitely informative. But I guess we can go past the that kind of stuff when we talk about you, since you are have a very interesting career kind of ups and downs but i think the downs have made your career almost better in a way oh for sure man downs are always are always fun you know <laughs> you can really you can really find yourself at the bottom of the barrel absolutely so let's get let's get into it so you're a harvard grad and yep. you played lacrosse how in the world did you first what before i get into like how did you cross over to like the entertainment and, and comedy what was your like end goal graduating college? Like, what was your career? What did you want to do? Well, I I had applied for Teach for America, and uh, I had also wanted to try to be in the CIA. I never heard back from them. Holy shit! I didn't know. But that. Uh, I I wanted to do Teach for America. I didn't get it, so I didn't really have anything. And so I I had done some stand up my senior year, and I. Decided to move to New York to see what that was like. And I moved to New York. I was living at my sister's apartment for a week. And I found an ad on Craigslist for a tutoring job. And I went to this agency and I got hired as a tutor. I worked at the agency for about six months. Realized I could make a lot more money doing it on my own. And started tutoring on my own. And uh, I was always doing stand-up and I was doing open mics and stuff. And uh, it was, that that was kind of how, how everything developed. And I did that for a couple of years. Went to law school for a little bit when I thought I needed to get serious about my life. Dropped out after four days. And then, uh, yeah, it was pretty short. short. And then uh, a couple years later, I got the Barstool job. That that's kind of how things went from there. How much did you learn from that rough process of trying to like get your your life in order? You know, you're you're living at your sister's, you're starting this tutor thing on your own, and then you like you try to get into law school, but then you kind of like almost instantly know that this isn't for me. But how how rough was that in the beginning? You know, not I wouldn't call it necessarily rough. I mean, your early twenties are about career exploration and I that's exactly kind of how I treated it I I didn't know what I wanted to do but my guiding principle was like you know 
as long as I can pay my rent, I'm not necessarily moving backwards here. Um, all my friends were working in finance and moving up the ladder and making more and more money. And I was definitely envious of their kind of linear trajectory, but I also knew that that wasn't something I could do and it wasn't something I wanted to do. So I, I didn't know if comedy would work out. I didn't really know what was going on, but I was kind of doing things with my life where, you know, I was checking off a list and being like, okay, well that didn't, I didn't like that. I didn't like this. And it was as if I was process of eliminating myself towards the things that I wanted to do. And when you decided when you were processing through what you wanted to do, what you not, what not, you know, what you didn't want to do, but then you saw comedy when you were in senior year in college and then kind of doing a little bit afterwards. Was there a point in time where you're like, Oh, this is exactly what I want to do. I want to be a comedian. Dude. I, you know, I've never felt that except that here's the thing. I, I, I always wanted to be a comedian, but I never thought it was a real thing. Uh, I didn't see any road to actually getting paid to do that. I always thought it was kind of going to be like a, a hobby that I would have maybe, or I didn't, you know, I didn't know if I was any good, if I was ever going to be good. And, um, you know, I got this Barstool job out of the blue for, by winning this contest. Yeah, Barstool Idol, right? Yeah, and I didn't know if I was, I didn't know if I was going to succeed at Barstool. Uh, and I guess it was a year in when I finally started writing pretty well and figuring out my voice and tone and something that connected with the readers. And um, then I got confident about it and, uh, you know, but I, it was it was tough, man. The the fans at Barstool will really make you feel like you're not very good, and you could write the best blog that's ever been written, and then everyone says you know you're the best writer on the site, and then your next blog, an hour later, goes against what they want you to do, and all of a sudden they're ripping you apart. You you've been cast out. Uh, and you're you know everyone's calling for you to be fired and stuff dancing on your grave and it's just like I really don't miss that I don't miss the uh the audience at all it's pretty yeah, awful I, I was gonna I was gonna transition right now to the process of Barstool Lytle that must have been it looked you you handle it really well, but it looked like it was extremely stressful for those. I think it was what five days of competing and doing weird challenges, and then also the audition. You did very different audition than everybody else. Yeah, um, yeah, I did stand up in the audition, and then uh, in the uh, in the actual week itself, it was like. You know, you didn't know what was going on. I don't even think anyone who worked there knew what was going on. That was the first time you guys were, that Barstool was doing something like this. So it was, I guess, all brand new to them. And they were kind of each day kind of doing, learning as they were going. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was just another one of the many things that I think they had come up with to try to create 
sponsored or interesting content. And I don't know if they knew if they would ever get somebody out of it who would actually contribute to the company. But ironically, in that first runaround, they that's how they got Donnie and me. And um, I think we both proved that we were good additions to the company. And then they did it again a couple years later and they got uh, the Mantis one. And then Marty Mush came out of that as well. Right. Um, and I think at this point, it's like, that's probably if they do it again, that's probably the easiest way to get hired at Barstool, even though it is, it's pretty tough. Right. I mean, and you and, you and Donnie killed it because, you know, Donnie was extremely different being the international correspondent and you being a comedian, but also putting music using the piano or whatever into your act, but also you were, you know, you're a good looking guy, you have, you're confident. And it's like a lot different from what I think they've, they've had in the past. Even what your, what your background being Harvard graduate, you know, you, you, you came up as a wealthy guy and you're very intelligent. I think it's almost like a polar opposite to like majority of the workers there. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. You know, nothing. I, that's probably true. That's, I, I don't I don't know where like uh, most of the other guys how you could kind of characterize the other people, but I, you know, was good friends with a lot of those guys. I still am. I still like talking to those guys. So now during your process there, you you did the variety show. You had your own special. Is the variety show something you and also you did Barcel Breakfast with Willie and JSB, and then she left and had Large come on with the let's start with the, like the radio show i thought it was great and the very first time you were on the air your first guest was my friend sessa and I, oh, yeah. I was like holy crap this is this is bigger than i actually think it's gonna be i'm sure that was almost maybe the same thing as you maybe you thought yeah well jsb had all these great contacts and she kind of lined up all these guests for our first week and uh it was pretty wild. You know, looking back, we probably should have spaced some of those out a little bit more. But Almost every day, it was like a bigger and bigger guest, it seemed like. Yeah. Yeah, we had uh, Arlo White, who was this fantastic announcer in, in English soccer. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you know, our radio show took a long time to get, I think, to its best version. But then by the time... We finally had when I think when it was me, Large and Willie, and Large and I would alternate days, and then we would all do Friday together. I think that was the best version of the show because I was doing it. I did it every day for you know a year and a half or something, and it was so exhausting. Well, because you were getting up, it was starting at what six, and you're getting yeah. Up. We would get up. I'd get up at five thirty in the morning, and then I'd have to work the rest of the day at barstool and and i just i was so fried that my work the rest of my work started to kind of suck and uh and then i was doing stand-up at night and i just i had a hard time kind of like keeping it together um so finally that's when i asked large if he would come in and help and uh and then we found a good balance and just just having two days off per week was was enough to like keep me uh sort of keep my energy up and let me recharge a little throughout the week is is radio something you would do again in the future if you oh absolutely radio is super fun you know um 
you Especially can, with the range you guys had, you guys had full reign to talk about whatever you wanted and you had all these different concepts and ideas that I think would work really well if you can do it again. Yeah. Sirius is a great company. I, I really like, I liked working with them. Uh, I loved the radio show and I would definitely do that again. Um, given the opportunity for sure. Now the variety show really, I think, personally, I think it really showed your true talent because it was not only the acting and being very funny, but it was the writing as well. That's almost, in a way, it was like an SNL type thing being in that kind of, in when it comes to the writing aspect, I think. Yeah, Dave had told me, I had done a couple of sketches. Oh, you know, I had started out with all these things. These, I was doing these things called uh, This is Barstool. And that was when I first started there and they were spoofs of the, uh, of the, this is sports center commercials. And I was just coming up with random little goofy ideas to shoot use, using the Barstool personalities. And I don't know, we must've done like nine or 10 of them. Um, and then I kind of ran out of ideas and, but Dave liked those. We also did, we did the, uh, this great one with uh, the baseball player, um, it was George Brett. George Brett, yeah. Right, that was I, wrote, hilarious. I wrote with Big Cat, and uh, and that one was was so good that Dave told me he wanted me to do a like a show based on this kind of an SNL based sketch show. And I, I had I've taken I had taken some sketch writing classes at, at Upper at Citizens Brigade, and I had done some sketch acting and stuff, but I, I certainly wasn't equipped to run and produce a whole <laughs> sketch show so we did the first season i i think it was okay i mean that you know the thing about the thing about sketch comedy is that it, it, every show that does sketch comedy you you, you know you're shooting for like a 20 percent hit rate right meaning you know key and peel which is one of the top three or four most successful sketch comedy shows of all time. If you ever watched the full episodes of Key and Peele on Comedy Central, there'd be like one great sketch and then three that were somewhat forgettable. Um, and then they would, you know, they became so famous because they would put their sketches on YouTube and then like a handful went viral as hell. And, they, and they're like, these guys are two of the best guys doing it what made Chappelle's show so spectacular was that every sketch on Chappelle's show was funny. And I, no one has ever been able to replicate that level of consistency. I mean, it was such an aberration in its, in how good it was a, across the board. Um, and that's what made it, you know, the most ex paid for most watched show on TV or whatever. Um, so, Aside from that, though, like SNL, not every, you know, they have a lot of, if a full episode of SNL, like maybe it'll have one or two good sketches and then the rest will be like, like all those sketches that they air after the first musical performance are, are tend to be pretty, pretty weak. Yeah, no, you're right. So uh, it's really hard. It's really hard to do good sketch and, and make it kind of good across the board. Um I do like that one show on Netflix with the the guy who used to be on SNL. Um, I'm sorry, I don't even know what it's called, but yeah. Nick Nate Rob Robinson or something. Sam Robinson. Craig Craig Robinson. 
No, hold on. I'll look it up. Hold on. Because I feel like that thing, that's a, I think, I think you would be. Tim Robinson. Tim Robinson. Oh, I think I know. Yeah, I think I know you're talking about. I think you should leave is the name of the show. Yeah, that was yeah. funny. That was yeah, really. I love some of that actually. I think because I think that's where like, the most talent comes from when it comes to like the writing and comedy, because it, it, the creativity in it. Because like you know, as Neil Brennan right and and uh, and Chappelle right, and they were just absolute geniuses with it, and it made the show an all time classic. And I feel like I would absolutely watch that again if it came back. Like, yeah, without a doubt. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah, it's timeless. Yeah. Absolutely. And then with you had the stand-up special. And then I think the biggest thing that got you, I guess, social media wise, that got you huge was the Game of Thrones songs. Oh yeah, the Game of Thrones songs. Yeah. They were hilarious. <laughs> and and they but they were so big that all these media outlets were picking them up and uh-huh. on their social media. And I yeah, was I, I, they up. yeah, they did get they got passed around a little bit. Uh I mean those was such a it's such a, an example of of not knowing what the internet is going to enjoy or flock to. I mean, I'm just sitting at my piano and I'm just making shit up as I go along. Right. Not rhyme. It doesn't rhyme. It's not pre-written. It's just me right. yelling my predictions for what I thought would happen that night. Oh, so um, they were they were not. You didn't write them beforehand. They were just off the dome. No. Yeah. Those are. To, if you look, if you go back and listen, the lyrics are not exactly good. Right. Know? It's sure. not like, yeah. but it, I think it was what a lot of people were thinking. And also, I think the, the fact that everyone was talking about how much they hated the season. Uh, and then I would voice some of my complaints about that as well in the songs. A lot of people drew to it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It just, it was a, 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 a kind of a way to shout frustration and also, you know, to capitalize on, on the show being in its final season and being so popular. And, um, yeah, they would, that it was, uh, but, but, you know, it was one of those things it was classic. It was like, I, you'd get, I got so many messages from people being like, dude, fuck you why are you making these you know you're ruining my life and 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 especially on the when barstool would post them on the main instagram account which you know i didn't ask them to do that or i think like after the first one they they took it posted it and then i would just send it over there if they wanted it but i didn't expect them to to post it and they would post them all the time and they would do lots of views and you know i'm sure a lot of people liked them and then there a lot of people wouldn't like them and it's like you know why why are why are you mad about it Who how hard cares? was it for you to try and win over the stoolies and how long did it take for you to like realize that this would be a lot harder than i thought and you know, I, I think i'll and like you know i'm 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 usually a hard critic i'll i'll you know if, if i really don't like it i'm not gonna go out of my way in like ruin your day by saying you well it's just it's just like yeah you know i've gone to it's the same it's the same thing about the type of person that goes to a restaurant and doesn't like the food or doesn't like the service and their 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 way of dealing with that is to go on yelp and review it like i've eaten a lot of bad meals in my life i've never signed up for a yelp account Right. So that I could leave my opinion. 
I no, I think no there's a real there's a real like desperate entitlement Absolutely. to thinking that your paragraph or your comment about the work that someone else is doing deserves to be heard. You know it's what I mean? Like, yeah, no, it's like it's like when they do it, it's like, all right, I did my part for the day. Like I did, yeah, I did my I, job. And I totally, I totally appreciate people's and respect people's right to contribute and like be part of it. And that's fine. Um, it's just, it's just not who I am. And so I could never, I could never relate to that level of, of anger and frustration over something that was just trying to be funny. And Hey, I think a lot of people like, a lot of, the, the problem was a lot of people would see that you were putting your work up on this place and they just automatically assumed like that, you know, you therefore thought it was really good. And it's like, no, a lot of the stuff I did, I did not think was good. I did not think it was funny. I just had to do it because it was my job. <laughs> right. You know, like I had a fucking quota I had to put out. And when you're working at any job, not everything you put out is great. You know, uh, and I, I just um, I just worked on a stand up bit about getting fired from Barstool. And uh, and I think it was hilarious on your on your. Yeah, someone someone um, DM'd me a screenshot of, of the Barstool Reddit and their thoughts on it and they were all so angry and they were like you know francis is doubling down um he thinks he's the funniest person alive it's like no i don't i don't i don't think i'm funny you know i'm just i'm trying but i i'm hoping that six years from now if i continue to do stand up and get up every night i'll keep getting better and you know, maybe I'll get some, some cool work and cool jobs, but right. right now I'm, I'm, I'm in the minor leagues, you know, I'm just grinding it out and trying to make it happen. And I don't think I'm that funny. I I'm, I'm hoping to get funnier, but uh, you know, it's, it's a long game. That's my thought process on this stuff. Yeah. I've, I've listened to more podcasts with comedians like, um, Whiskey Ginger, which is Andrew Santino. Yeah. History I Heen is with, you know, Chrissy D and Giannis Papas. And they talk yeah. about how the road, I find it so interesting, the road for a comedian, how long it takes for them to, you know, get that that five or ten minutes on Fallon or getting their time on the, on the road and bombing all the time and just sitting in the bomb and, and learning from it. And then there's like that one or two in a row when you're on stage and you absolutely murder it. I find it so interesting. And I think it's, I find that comedians have such a harder road than like actors do, you know? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think the difference is that in acting, it's like, uh, it's a little <laughs> bit like trying to win the lottery. Right. And you buy a ticket and it's either a winner or it's not. 99.9% .9 of the time it's not. <coughs> and and so, you know, whereas – so it's it's pretty black or white. Like you either get the job or you don't. Whereas in stand-up, 
it's a little easy. You get better feedback at least. It's yeah, not, you're not like, yeah, you're not left guessing if it was because of your look or the way that you delivered the lines, but you also are given negative feedback that can be a lot more crushing, you know, based on a crowd not laughing or a heckler or whatever it may be. So that's, uh, that's the flip side. That's why comedians tend to be a lot darker than, than actors, I think. Right. There's always, the comedians always have some sort of mental or physical issue in their life. And that, I think, makes them more of a, uh, a better performer in a way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So we'll go into the, your comedian uh, and podcast career in a second. But the last thing I'll talk about Barstool is the moment when it just kind of just fell apart where you – have this blog, you're reporting on it like honestly anybody else would, but it just didn't really go your way. And just tell me how it happened and it unfolded so fast, but how have you been able to like overcome it once it it happened to you? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it was just another blog in the thousands of blogs that I wrote there and uh Frankly, I, you know, I guess I just kind of missed some of the details or I, I didn't read it that closely. I wasn't thinking that much about it. Any, everything I wrote in the blog was not that, uh, it, there was nothing like that funny. And I wasn't, I wasn't, it wasn't a blog. I don't even think I was going to tweet the blog. You know what I mean? That was like a, a pretty good indicator of of when we were proud of the work that we had done was like we would tweet the link to the blog and that was a blog I was just like oh you know I got to show that I showed up to work today I got to get a couple blogs out and nobody was touching that story and it didn't register with me why and because it was like a pretty viral story real serious uh well yeah but it was like you know she was um she was a sugar daddy. I, I thought she was like on a date with a guy or something. I thought she was right. with a sugar daddy. And I was like, this is great, you know? And, uh, and, and then I wrote this blog and I was like, you know, let's hope that when she gets back from her date, she'll be doing a reunion press tour and everything's good and yada yada. And I think I even wrote something like, you know, first and foremost, if she's not doing well, like let's, you know, let's hope she's fine or whatever. Right. Clarified a little bit. And then, uh, she was found murdered and, uh, you know, everyone thought I was a, a huge dick and uh, I got fired for it. Um, supposedly I, I, I have no idea. People have told me or sense that I guess like Dave went on radio or something and said it had more to do with, I don't know, me not dressing up for the Dunkin' Donut Awards or something. And I, I don't know. I kind of just have to take them at face value for what they said, which was that they fired me because they didn't feel like they had any other options. Um, but if I'm honest, you know, I don't think it was like a great fit. Really, uh, you really think it was the, the best fit for you personally? I didn't really have a whole yeah. lot more to offer. I don't, you know, like I didn't have much more to, to do there. I, I was so tired of the fans and uh, I just, 
I, I liked my radio show. I thought that was fun. But it was moving. The company was becoming a gambling company. And uh, the, whole, the whole site was shifting over to, like, gambling content and sports. And uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't big on either of those things. And I just felt like, I, you know, I, don't even, I, don't even, I didn't know if there was a place for me to, con- to continue to grow or, right. or anything there. So uh, when they fired me, I mean, there was definitely a part of me that was like kind of relieved. Well, um, it almost it almost seems like it's now, it's it. Of course, it sucked. No one likes getting fired. And no, it, but it helped it me. Went, and exactly. Yeah, it's for sure. Benefiting you now because you have a podcast. Oops, the podcast talks about people and their mistakes and how do you kind of challenge that and move on from it and, and kind of make it better for yourself. And now you're using it in your act which people are, I, people like, and it's almost like yeah. you where know, if you're not like in middle school and someone's bullying you and calling you a name, you then almost kind of absorb the nickname in, in a sense. And then they, everyone stops, stops like, you know, making fun of you. Yeah. You own it. Yeah. You, you right. rabbit it from eight mile. Um, right. exactly. I, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it, it was pretty scary because I thought, I thought I was going to be canceled, you know, from all of it, but within, Nope. Like nobody cared two days later, you know, and that was Epstein's kind of saved your ass in a way. Yeah. I I make a joke about that, but more, you know, if it hadn't been him, it would have been somebody. It's just like these people who, who make everyone angry that that the daily beast writer and this guy sensationalized the headline and said, I had slut shamed a murdered girl. Like there was no slut shaming whatsoever on there. I didn't know she was murdered. I mean, he's just writing it for himself. And, uh, and and he didn't like nope there's never been any follow-up it's not as if anyone's been like writing like oh can't you know barstool sports former writer francis ellis is now making jokes nobody cares anymore nobody cares about me in actuality the story in time was sort of important but then like a week later it was like that big i I don't even think it was important in the moment like nobody gave a shit i wrote a blog that was in poor taste about a murdered girl. You know, it's like, whoops. Right. I, you know, I'm, I was sorry. I was sorry to the family for sure. But like, I don't think they fucking read my blog. I don't think they, they had more important things to deal with. You know? And, and not only that, but uh, it's a blog. I agree. Like my, my work wasn't that important. I never, I, I was always humble enough to know that what I was doing was not important. I wasn't some star. I wasn't some like, I, I said to Tommy Smokes, I remember like a week before I got fired, I said to him, I was like, dude, I don't know why I said this, but I said, if I got fired tomorrow, if Barcel were a publicly traded company, it wouldn't move the stock an inch. Like nobody would care. Nobody would miss me. You know, the only people that mattered were Dave, Big Cat, PFT, and the call her daddy girls and and maybe Kevin. And uh, yeah, like anybody, everybody else at that company was replaceable. Everybody. Now to, to when the day had happened. And then the funny thing is, I think it's hilarious that you went on vacation in France oh, yeah. with your girlfriend and then like you had to meet, I remember hearing that you had to meet her parents. 
And this was like, yeah. how, what are the odds that you're meeting her parents for the first time and like telling them like, yep, I'm just another one of the un- unemployed human on this planet. Yeah. Yeah. That, that must, I mean, that, and that's like a perfect story. I mean, I know you do it, but like to do it on your standup, cause that's hilarious. Yeah. No, it was, uh, it was, a, you know, I didn't, I, it was so crazy to try to like talk to them right after this had happened. I was so dazed right. by it all. And especially as like all these news outlets, I couldn't believe that like the Washington post wrote about it. I couldn't believe that that was newsworthy to them. Um, just one day of news that caught that just caught their eye. Yeah, I guess so. So they, they, you know, they didn't care. Like everyone was like, yeah, you made a mistake. I didn't hurt. They were like, you didn't anybody, you know, right. I didn't need to anyone. I didn't, I didn't like bully anyone. I didn't, whatever. I wasn't racist or I didn't do something that was going to like really, uh, mar my reputation or be a major character flaw i mean you look at my buddy shane gillis like you know he made some jokes about asian people and now everyone thinks of him as being this racist guy i know shane he's not a racist and he's one of the best comedians out there right now yeah that's like Like, one of that's a way shittier cross to have to bear that the media like cooked up Right. You know, than 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 being the guy who mistakenly wrote about a dead girl, you know. I just and now I want to go into a, a lighter topic. Now talking about your podcast and how much success you've had from it, from this negative story, you've turned it into a positive. Now, oops, the podcast it's big. You've had it. I was I've I was interviewed for it. I know how much it means to you. But the concept of it, how has that reacted towards the, your guests that you've had? Like my my favorite guests you've had is you know Mike Cannon, who's hilarious, Shane Gillis, yeah, who's got to eat girls, um, Andrew Schultz, even. So how did they how did they react towards the topic and like the? Yeah, everyone's been like you know pretty pretty on board about it. I think sometimes our guests are have are more prepared to tell their mistakes than than other times, uh, but in in general everyone has fuck ups and mistakes that they're they're pretty open about um so it's it's fun and you know we don't just focus on the mistakes we talk to people about kind of everything and uh but it is an outlet for people to reflect on times where they had to like come through a shitty moment what they learned from it and i think that relates to that resonates with a lot of people with your act you have done live performances with the girls got to eat. I th- I've watched those on, I think it was on social media or what have you. I've always wanted to go. I was actually planning on going to one of your shows and unfortunately, you know, something came up. I couldn't go, but how do you like working with those girls? And I, you've, you've worked with them a lot over the past. Uh, they're the best. They're, they're, they're two of my closest friends in the world. Now, uh, Ashley is my partner and we produce a monthly show together at the stand called stay humble. Um, and we have a lot of fun doing that. And they're just, I, I, I think they're so unique in that they, uh, you know, they built their own podcast and were, were just a, a different voice. They weren't, they weren't pointlessly kind of shooting the shit 
for the to hear their own voices they had structure and they were had intelligence and they're very well spoken and they had great stories very good chemistry uh and they and they exploded i mean their podcast is one of the most popular podcasts in the country and um i just think like as people too that they are very genuine uh wonderful people and that who they are on their podcast is who they are in real life and it's not just you know putting on a show um so i i adore them and i look up to them and uh I'm very grateful that they've accepted me into their, into their friendships and as a, let me kind of ride their coattails a little bit. You use your piano a lot in your act. I do. Yeah. How, when did you realize like that's a way to kind of um, separate myself from the rest? Cause I personally only know another person that uses music. You can correct me if I'm wrong. That does music in their act at the Tatum Sandler with this guitar. And he's sick. Yeah, I mean, there are a good amount of comedians that use music. Uh, Bo Burnham, famously. Right, um, Craig Robinson, all of his stand-up is at his keyboard. Uh, you know, J- J- Dimitri Martin plays the guitar. There are a number of, of comedians that famously throughout time have, have used uh, music. But um, I well, think that... to the banjo. Yes, exactly. I think that, you know, my manager was the one who told me that as a straight white male, like it was going to be tough in stand up to actually make a name for myself doing this and that the songs were kind of unique and uh, a fun way to, to actually make a, a name for myself. So uh, we sort of dove more into that and um, I, I come in and out of it. I, I enjoy playing. I don't always enjoy writing songs, but uh, I've got a new one that I'm going to launch in a couple of days that I think is kind of funny. And uh, people can look out for that on my Instagram. I th- I thought the one that you, I, it might have been, I don't know, a couple months ago about you were playing, I think at Gotham, I think it was the one where it was the, I think having sex with your girlfriend and where. Oh yeah, you're just coming everywhere. <laughs> right. I thought that was super clever. Now with those, I'm sure you're writing, and the, the writing has to be perfect with those. And how much, how much time does it, do you take to write those? songs out does it take a while or is it usually kind of very it can take a while yeah that one i wrote on an airplane and the funny thing was that i had my laptop open and this woman was like waking up in and out of a a nap and i i was very conscious of the fact that i didn't want her to see the lyrics so (laughs) whenever she'd wake up i'd kind of push the screen over you know so she couldn't (laughs) see it but um yeah some of them are are harder than others uh and then some of them i can just bang out in like a night um but there's always tweaking i think that with with songs and writing lyrics it's just like writing stand-up jokes i mean i'll perform it once or twice and then realize like oh if i tweak that lyric that'll be a bigger laugh or there should be a laugh here uh and and that's uh it, you know it's the same process frankly i didn't even mention this before but one of my favorite sketches you did when you were at Barstool was the one with Bill Burr when you did the oh, yeah. video where you said like, Hey guys, you know, some of your, your coworkers like, Hey, can I sh- show you some of my work? And then Bill walks over and you get kind of nervous and then you say the jokes and they're all his. Yeah. That yeah. Must, was it nervous kind of asking Bill like, Hey, can you, you think you can do this with me? Well, by that point I'd been at the company for a while and you know, I'd already shot sketches with Ryan Lochte and uh, Ice Cube and uh, 
all these other famous people. So I think it's different because he's like a comedy god. You know? Yeah, he is my idol in comedy. And so that was really fun for me. Um, and I kind of just pitched him the sketch as he was coming out of like, pardon my take or whatever. And uh, he was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And uh, I was like, really? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, couldn't believe he wanted to do something. So we did it. And uh, I thought it was pretty funny. And And it's like, it's one of those things where, I think that sketch is funnier if you're a fan of Bill Burr um, on its surface. It's like, you know, it, it, I, there are so many ways that I've watched that sketch back and, and thought like, oh, this would have been funnier if I'd done this or. That always happens though. You know, like you, yeah. you know, well, we you improvised know. the whole thing too. Like we That's didn't, awesome. we had to, so I was like, I'm just going to tell your jokes and you're going to react and do it, <laughs> it however you feel fit. And, and he was like, okay, sounds good. And, uh, you know, and then I was like, oh, shit, how well do I know Bill Burr's jokes? Which, you know, fortunately, I've been such a fan for so many years. And I think I did jokes that were from, like, three separate specials he did or something. Right. So that was cool. Yeah, that must have been incredible. Um, yeah. When it comes to stand-up, I've always wanted to ask a comedian this. Tell me the story of the worst time you bombed and where was it? Yeah. Uh, for me, it would be, uh, I think it would be when I did the, I, I did the reelection fundraiser for the sheriff of Bergen County, oh, man. uh, in New Jersey. And it was like 500 people. It was 250 police officers and their wives oh, in this shit. huge banquet hall in New Jersey. And most of these people didn't know that there was even a stand-up show that was going to happen. And so I like went up to the podium as everyone was eating their dinner and all the tables were round tables, which meant that half the audience was facing away from me. <laughs> and so, uh, I started, I started performing and like, people were like what what's happening and then they like looked up and they didn't know who i was and they were like oh fuck that and they just went back to talking to each other and so i just did like 12 minutes of stand-up as though i was just another person in the room talking oh my god to nobody except i was on a microphone and it was like so it's it's you know it's not entirely my fault, but it was definitely the worst hell gig I ever had. And did they, I'm sure they didn't pay you a lot for it either. I don't, honestly, I don't even think I was paid. I think I did that as a favor to a, a club owner in New York City who was friends with the sheriff. Oh my God. Yeah. Just like bad. walking off, you're like, all right, you know, I'm just going to go. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I just got in a car and went back into the city. It's fucking Jeez. hell. Now, with your podcast, you've interviewed a lot of comedians. You kind of have like this wall of shame concept, and you kind of put the faces on there. Is there anybody you like? Who's your like number one white whale guest to put on that? Yeah, good question. I think for me, it's uh, it's Monica Lewinsky or OJ oh, Simpson. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, those two. Monica, I would really like to to talk to because she's she's kind of an inspirational figure now. Like she does TED talks, and she's really got a, a pretty cool brand for herself and extremely vocal about yeah I mean, and i think she's i think she's just somebody who 
it'd be very impressive to talk to her and hear what she kind of learned from kind of becoming this like decade long punchline and how do you get taken seriously after that? And, you know, she was seen as being this home wrecker of the Clinton family and, uh, just, I don't know. I, I admire her a lot and I'd, I'd be very interested to hear what she, what she has to say. What about a, a comedian side of it? Not just a, yeah um well bill burr actually told me that he would love to do it sometime so that'd be fun to get him um and aside from that we pete davidson was somebody that we were going to try to get on uh julio knows him pretty well we'll see if that happens but we've got i mean we've gotten a lot of of the comedians that i i look up to and admire in new york city so um that's been kind of fun and uh yeah i don't know pretty happy with who we've got so far oh uh, yeah the guests are are huge you got i mean schultz and, and Shane Gillis are huge names and I, I i love mike cannon as well i know you just had him on via yeah. via zoom yeah um, how have you guys been dealing with the coronavirus and quarantine and trying to do all your work and as a comedian you can't do any shows yeah, that's the toughest part is not not being able to perform stand up and there's really no substitute for it. I mean, a couple of my friends have tried to put together these like you know, Instagram live shows and it's just I mean, it's not the same. So, yeah, cuz you're doing the comedy and there's 30 people watching on, but there's no there's no interaction with the crowd. Right. Right. So um I don't know. I I I think that missing stand-up and and i was you know i was getting up like seven or eight times a week so i miss that tremendously but uh as far as our podcast goes it it's fine that we're doing it this way but what i do miss is that the lack of daily experience has made it harder for us to come up with material that people find compelling so just keeping it interesting is is a little bit harder i think is this quarantine giving you some material to work with? Like, are you figure out? It was initially, but it's like everyone's telling kind of the same fucking stories. And so it's hard to keep it fresh. And I'm very aware of not sounding like everybody else. You know, that's the problem too. All right. My last question is just marry, fuck, kill. Real simple. Bill Burr, Jerry Seinfeld, or Dave Chappelle? Oh, goodness. Uh... All right. Uh, and why? And why? Uh, yeah. Uh, I think I would. I think I would. I think I, I think I would marry Seinfeld because he's worth, you know, a billion dollars, and and is also seems to be like the most kind of level-headed family man. Um. And also, I could learn a lot from him in a marriage. Absolutely. Uh, I guess I would fuck. Oh, <laughs> uh, I hate to do it, but I would probably fuck Chappelle because wow. I think Chappelle is the greatest to ever do it. And then that means I'm sadly killing my my man Bill Burr, even though he's he's my idol. So that's hard to believe, but th- that's the way the cookie crumbles. Well, I forgot to ask one more question. Um, with, with SNL, is that something you ever thought about 
doing at all since that it would through your comedy career and your podcast is that if there's ever an opportunity your agent tells you hey look they're looking for a new a new cast i don't think that i would get snl for the same reason that shane didn't get it at this point so that sucks I, I don't I don't think that I, I I'm probably too toxic based on you know the work I did at Barstool and the way that I was fired um so I I I'm not you know I'm not sad about that though I I, I think SNL is great and it used to be a huge dream of mine but the longer I've been in this business the more I've realized that I there there's so much success to be had you know without hitting the most you know obvious checkpoints so um i'm pretty at peace with where things are and i've got some ideas and goals for what i want and uh if lauren michaels comes a calling great i'll take that call happily but if not i'm not losing sleep over it well francis i would say tell us your dates but you can't since we don't know when the fuck we'll be back out yeah I, i i have a ton of dates that got postponed uh and so i don't have new dates for those yet but i definitely know i think i'll be in chicago in july and um in some you know definitely i'll be at moon tower in september and stuff like that so that's fun all right francis i really appreciate you coming on um i look my pleasure dude thanks for having me one of your guys i see on social media and i definitely i think you're gonna be you were supposed to come out in long island at some point so yeah, it's supposed to play governors, yeah. That's right. Yeah, so I will try my best to get there if we are ever out of this quarantine. So, Hell yeah. Really appreciate, appreciate it, buddy. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks, man. All right, we're back. Thank you, Francis Ellis, for coming on. What a great interview. I love the story about Bill Burr. Uh, what all-time well, – all-time – comedian comedian skit right there and um if, if you enjoyed it hopefully uh we can get some more guests on i think we're kind of easy now with uh, how the situation is where we can do zoom or skype meetings and no one has anything to do so you want to come on the exactly. podcast <laughs> enjoy it let's get into our only special segment we have here we haven't done a top three in a long time this top three is best survival items during this pandemic. Who wants to go first? How are we going to do this? We're gonna do a, let's do a rock, paper, scissors over Skype. This is uh, horrible because the I lagging. Your quality is so bad, so I have no idea. Since my audio is better for you, let me count it down, and then and then you do it, all right? Okay. All right, so ready? What are we doing? On, on, no, just rock, paper, scissors, shoot. No says shoot. Just shoot. Okay? Ready Got to go. All right. Rock. Paper, scissors, shoot. Uh, we won't we, we right. the scissors. Right? The scissors. All right, right, do it again. Ready? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, fuck. You won. All right, you got You're scissors sure? again. I got paper. All right, I'll go first. All right, go so, first. Uh, you got the snake. First. We're always doing snake. So. Always doing the snake. All right, so let me see here. You said, what'd you say again? Top, best survival items during this pandemic. My first one's got to be my Xbox. Got to uh, be my I Xbox. Knew it. And I guess those. I think we can make an exception with Xbox. You could. How many many games could you have? Yeah, as what much storage as you want. <laughs> oh, okay, so we we're good with that. All right. So my next one, I'm I'm gonna say, sort of the same thing. I'm gonna say PS4 
Okay. I'm going to take that. PS4, I got the show, Call of Duty. I don't even have a PS4 here, but if I have to, if I had the ability to have a survival item, that is definitely one. But the PS4, oh, wait a second. Are we, how are we playing with the PS4 and Xbox? Is it like a TV included? Yeah, yeah, you get the full setup. You get the full setup. All right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good, you're good. All right, so we're, we're doing the, we're doing the TV, TV calls. So I got PS4. So my next pick here is going to be, I'm going to I'm gonna have a mask. Masks are essential right now. A mask? Yeah. It's, it's one of those N95, N95 masks where you see it at the hospital. you got to have yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. N95 is, is huge. Look, if I'm ever going to leave my house, then, then it's going to be sitting there. But if I have to get out of my house for some uh-huh. weird reason during this, if it's going to the grocery store, if it's going for a walk and you're kind of feeling like all oh, like psycho and you want to keep yourself clean, have the mask on. Have the mask. All right. So what's your what's your my second one's got to be my car, yo. I got to be able to leave, <laughs> even though I'm in my quarantined car. I have okay. to be able to leave, yo. I, I don't know. A couple times I've just gone out on drives, man. This is uh, not, not doing well for me. Move. You put the window down, music blasting, exactly, get some, like, fresh exactly. air breeze. Yeah, man, I don't know. I I am, if you know me, and everybody does, I hate sitting inside more than anything in my entire life. All I feel yeah, like I'm doing is I'm wasting. I, I know, but I play video games for only a couple hours a day. But, like, the rest of the time, if I'm home, I'm bugging out. I need to, I hate sitting home. I hate being in my house. I hate not doing it. I feel like I'm just wasting my life away. And, yes, everybody says, Austin, everybody's doing the same thing. Nobody else is leaving the house. I go, yeah, but I don't care. I'm bored and I don't want to be here. I want to be doing stuff. It's getting nicer out slowly, even though it's been raining the last couple of days. It's getting nicer out. And I just want to go do things, man. I want to enjoy my life. And I'm not enjoying life right now. It is miserable. So cars needed. Car. Cars needed to go enjoy a little a little bit. All right. So what's your last you got? pick here? Oh, and my last pick. My last pick is Max. I got my, my pup. I got my pup with me. You know, I have to you time. Got to have the dog. I take him out on walks. You know, we're just playing downstairs in the living room. It's a good time. Those are my top three. And then your dog. Um, so what I you guess, got? Are, are we excluding? Are we excluding food? Like that's like, that's like an essential item. No, you can you can include food, man. You can include whatever you want on these top threes. Mm. What are you thinking? You know what? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm fucked. Chef Ringle in the house. Yeah, um, she's sending me all these snaps. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to cook. cook. I'm trying to learn a little bit of cooking around here since I, you know, not a bad idea. I'm, I need something to do. Exactly. Since the gym is closed, I do have a gym downstairs. It's small. But if I had the opportunity to have this item, it would be a Peloton. They're like three dollars. You can race Wimble on like your Peloton screen. You can have a trainer on the Peloton screen training That's you. That's true. You can be you could the virtual. You can do the virtual riding the bike. You could you could be in like you know r- riding your bike in the hills of Hollywood, or you can be d- doing you know in a in a nice you know four. You can be mountain biking. That's facts. That gets you outdoors in a way. That's true. I'm running a Peloton bike. That's a good third pick. That is a uh, 
I definitely. We have the PS4, X, Xbox. I have my mask one on one. I think was a definite wrong that's, pick, but I'm gonna leave it there. I gotta own it. That's all right. Own the bad it pick. happens. It and you happens. Your dog in your car. It happens. All right. Um, it's a long um, one. What are we long podcast? It's over two hours. This is we very got nothing impressive. else to do, so why not make it long? <laughs> right. Yo, in the in the amount of topics we have, realistically, these topics could last. I don't know, 20 minutes, and we stretched it out. Yeah, we did. We're pros. That's how it pros. is, man. So, 92, great interview. Francis Dallas, awesome interview. Hope to see you guys next, next time. Please don't be a jackass. Stay inside. Social Facts. distancing. Six Flatten the curve. Apart. You have to go out. Go in the grocery store, stay away, away from everybody, clean off your items, you don't know what's going on, flatten the curb, dude. Um, yeah, any last words? Nothing. I got nothing. No. Dude, there's nothing. a lag time there. There's dude. that lag. You oh, see that, right? You see that? Here. It kicks in. It kicks in. Can you hear? Can you hear? <laughs> Cause all these hoes know what's about to come next I hit my plug up, got the paper